Welcome to Harmony Christian Church Podcast. For more information about us, visit HarmonyChurchFamily.org. All right, let's go ahead and jump into the word this morning. Let's look at Luke chapter 5. I want to spend the next two weeks talking about the uh, announcement. Today I want to talk about the announcement of the arrival of John the Baptist. And then next week I want to talk about the announcement of the arrival of Jesus. And uh, what's really neat as I'm studying, this is just free information here, is that when you look at John the Baptist and you look at Jesus, you realize that John the Baptist comes from the line of Aaron, the priesthood. And Jesus comes from the line of David, the kingly line. So you have here with John the Baptist and Jesus, you actually have here represented the priest and the king. Which, when I realized that this week, it just it blew my mind that, that Jesus, that God, is in the details. That all the way at the beginning, uh, when all of this was established, he established Aaron as the priest and David as the king. And now, even in time of Jesus, now you have John representing the priesthood and Jesus representing the king. Amen? So you have, have this awesome picture of John came from the line of Aaron and Jesus came from the line of David. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about that here in a little bit. But let's look here in uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 5. Is everybody with me? Yes. Yeah, can I get some crowd participation this morning? Everybody with me? Yes. Amen. Hey, preaching is a conversation. All right? So it's not just some guy up here rambling, although sometimes it may feel like that when I'm up here. <laughs> It's a conversation. Listen, I will preach much better if I, if I hear some participation and if there's a conversation going on. Preachers in the room, can I get an amen to that? You, there's, there's just something about when there's, when there's a conversation happening that it pulls, pulls something out of you. So let's have some participation this morning. All right. If we had some chandeliers, I'd ask you to, to swing from them, but we don't have any. It might be kind of hard to do that in here. So anyway, so let's go. Luke chapter 1, verse 5, it says, During the reign of King Herod the Great over Judah, Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah who served in the temple as part of the priestly order of Abijah or something. His wife, Elizabeth, was also from a family of priests, being a direct descendant of Aaron. They were both lovers of God, living virtuously and following the commandments of the Lord fully. But they were childless since Elizabeth was barren, and now they both were quite old. Let me tell you what's going on at this point in the situation. What's going on at this point in the situation is, is right now there has been a gap, a 400-year gap of silence where God ends in the book of Malachi declaring that he is going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the sons and the sons back to the fathers. He says that and then stops. And there's 400 years, at least 400 years in the authoritative text that we have in the Bible. There's 400 years where God does not speak to a single prophet or a single person. And right now, we are in the, they are in the middle of this gap where God is not speaking. He is, uh, him and his wife, Elizabeth, are faithfully serving God. 
and they're wanting to have children. In those days, having kids was a whole much of a bigger deal than it is now. Like now, obviously we love kids, we love growing families, but back then having kids was a sign of honor and a way to continue your family line. And in those days, it was this, it was looked down upon if you were barren. A lot of times they believed that if you were barren, it was actually a curse from the father, that it was, it was because somewhere in your lineage or somewhere in your life, you had done something wrong to close up your womb. And so it was a kind of a disgrace, disgraceful thing. People were looked on with disgrace if they were barren. And so this is the situation that Zechariah and Elizabeth found themselves in, is they were in the middle, or at the, actually at the end of this 400 years of silence, where God had not spoken for 400 years, and they were desiring to have a kid, but were unable to because of her barrenness. And now they're old, they're, they're up there in age, and uh, to really past the point of having kids. But I love what it says about Zechariah and Elizabeth. It says they were faithful servants of God. They were faithful servants of God. Aaron, or I'm sorry, Zechariah was a priest, which means he would go to the temple and perform the sacrifices, perform the, the different priestly duties of worship and prayer consistently. And I love that even in the middle of silence, in the middle of them asking God for something that they have yet to attain, they were still faithful to pursue the Lord and faithfully and consistently worship and honor him in the middle of all of it. They were faithful even in the barren season, both barren in hearing from the Lord and barren in the womb. And yet they were faithful still to seek the Lord. Amen. Here's what I want to say about that. Don't be that friend. Don't be that friend that, that, uh, that never returns phone calls, that never texts back, but then one day decides to call up because you need something, right? We'll call that friend Rufus for today. So don't be Rufus. Don't be the guy that you've texted a hundred times and, hey, you want to get together? Hey, you want to hang out? Never hear anything back. And then all of a sudden you get a phone call. Hey, buddy, it's Rufus. Can I borrow your boat for the weekend? You know, like that friend. Don't be that friend. Zechariah and Elizabeth were not that friend. They, they did not hear back from the Lord, but they consist, consistently pursued the Father. They didn't just, they didn't just ask God for something and, and then never communicate any other time. They persistently pursued the Father. And I believe because of their persistence, we're going to talk more about this, because of their patience, because of their consistency to go to the secret place, to minister to the Father, to worship, even in barrenness, I believe that's why they end up receiving the promise. Because they were consistent to have relationship even in a barren season. Let's read on here in verse eight. One day while Zechariah's priestly order was on duty and he was serving as priest, it happened by the casting of lots according to the custom of the priesthood that the honor fell upon Zechariah to enter into the holy place and burn incense before the Lord. Let me stop there and just tell you this really interesting fact from this part that there were some time or in, in the time of Jesus, in the, in the time of Christ, there were somewhere around 20,000 priests 
who served in the temple. Somewhere around 20,000 priests. And now what they're talking about here, the honor that fell upon Zechariah was the honor to be able to go into the temple, into the holy place. So if you're looking at the temple, there is the outer courts, which everybody's invited into. There's the holy place, which only the priests are allowed to go into. And then there is the holy of holies, where the Ark of the Covenant resides, where the presence of God is. And only the high priest was allowed to go there once a year. So the honor that they're talking about here for Zechariah is he actually had the honor to go in to the holy place and offer incense to the Lord. Now this was, a, this was a thing that was done twice a day. It was done in the morning and it was done in the evening. We sang about it this morning. Day and night, night and day, let incense arise. That's what they're talking about there. It's a, it's a prophetic picture of day and night, night and day. They would offer constantly. There'd be incense rising up in the holy place. And, and anytime you see incense in the Bible, it's talking about the prayers and intercessions of the saints. So it's the prayers and intercessions of the saints constantly going up before the Lord, constantly, day and night, night and day. So once again, there are about 20,000 priests in the day, in Zechariah's day, which means to get chosen, to be able to be the one to go into the holy place and offer incense was a once in a lifetime opportunity. Once in a lifetime do they get this chance to be selected as the priest who has the honor to go into the holy place and burn the incense of worship and of intercession up to the Father. So, so Zechariah was chosen to be that priest on this day. I don't think it was a coincidence that he was chosen this day to be the priest to go into the holy place and offer up incense. Verse 10, a large crowd of worshipers had gathered to pray outside the temple at the hour when incense was being offered. All at once, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing just to the right of the altar of incense. Just to the right of the altar of incense, the prayer or the angel appeared to Zechariah. I want you to notice as well that the place of encounter was in the secret place. The place of Zechariah's encounter was in the secret place. It was in the place of consistently going before the Lord, of worshiping and offering sacrifice. It was in that place that the encounter happened that the word of the Lord was then released to Zechariah where his promise was fulfilled. It was in the secret place. I'm afraid all too many times we're Rufus, guys, that we want God to answer our prayers, yet we don't have the consistent walk with the Lord, the consistency in sacrifice, the consistency in worship. We want God to answer our prayers, but we don't want to have to go to the secret place on a consistent basis. But we see here in the life of Zechariah that it was in the secret place, in the place of consistency that his encounter happened. Do I, I believe, listen, I believe that you can have an encounter with God 
sovereignly where he just decides, hey, I'm going to show up and I'm going to speak to them, even though they were unfaithful, even though they haven't been consistent, I believe absolutely that God can encounter you. But I believe, uh, but I believe that when you are consistent in the secret place, then, you, then he is faithful to come to you every time. That he is faithful to come to you every time. So Zechariah was in the secret place. I also think it's interesting that the Bible tells us exactly where the angel stood to the right of the altar of incense. You know, when, when Bible, the Bible gets specific like that, then it's, it's time to pay attention. And he was standing to the right of the altar of incense. Now, the right represented uh, authority. The right represented the high place, the honorable place. So you can look at it from that standpoint. But what I find interesting is that he was by the altar of incense, Again, when you see incense in the Bible, it represents intercession and prayer. And he, he comes to make this declaration standing beside the altar of incense that because of the intercession and prayer, now there is going to be a declaration and there, the prayers and intercessions are now being answered. And, and I just, I made a short list here. I know there's a lot more. I made a short list here of the different and uh, intercessions and prayers that were fulfilled in this moment. And, and I know there's, there's more. We could take a lot of time and find all kinds of different things that were fulfilled just by the angel coming and visiting Zechariah. But here's three of them. One, the fulfillment of Malachi chapter four, where God said that he was gonna send the spirit of Elijah and turn the hearts of the fathers back to the sons and the hearts of sons back to fathers. It says, it will, we'll see the angel declares that, that John the Baptist will have the same spirit that was on Elijah and he was gonna turn the hearts of fathers back to sons and sons back to fathers. So that was fulfilled. Isaiah chapter 40 is fulfilled of the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. That, that prophecy, that that prophecy that was hundreds of years old at this moment was being fulfilled just at this moment. The world's desire for a savior and a Messiah. This was the first announcement that the Messiah was on his way. This was the first announcement that the Messiah was on his way. Keep in mind this too. There has been 400 years of silence. This announcement from Gabriel is the first time God spoke in 400 years. Feel the weight of that. 400 years, this is the first time God spoke and, it is, and he is declaring that the forerunner, John the Baptist, is coming and what's coming after him the world has not ever seen. The Messiah is coming. So those were three things. But I think this is really neat too. The first time God speaks in 400 years and he's, he's announcing the arrival of the forerunner and the arrival of the Messiah, but he's also fulfilling and answering the personal prayer of Zechariah and Elizabeth. Not only is he fulfilling the word spoken of the Messiah to the world, but he's also fulfilling the desire of Zechariah and Elizabeth's heart 
with this announcement. And I, I love that, you know, we, we all day can see God speaking into worldly things and wanting to do big things. But I want to declare to you this morning that while God is in the big details, he is in the little details of your life and he desires to give you the desires of your heart. That not one thing is missed by God. That yes, he's concerned about the pandemic. He's concerned about what's happening in the world. He's concerned about what I believe is the greatest revival in human history that is coming to this world. He's concerned about all of that, but he's not overlooking with the personal things that are happening in your heart. That he, yes, he was, he was declaring the forerunner is here. The Messiah that has been prophesied for thousands of years before is on his way. But guess what, Zechariah and Elizabeth? Your child is coming as well. He does not overlook the desires of your heart. He is in the details. He loves, he loves to prosper his servants. Or Psalms tells us that he, he, he takes great pleasure in, pros, in the prosperity of his servants, of his kids. And I love that though he was fulfilling prophecies from thousands of years announcing the return of the Messiah. He was also answering the personal desire of Zechariah and Elizabeth. Amen. I'm going to look here in verse 12, starting in verse 12. Zechariah was startled and overwhelmed with fear, but the angel reassured him saying, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God is showing grace to you for I have come to tell you that your prayer for a child has been answered. Look at that. The first announcement that he makes. Before he even says the Messiah is coming, he answers the desire of Zechariah and Elizabeth. I love that. That your prayers have been answered. For I have come to tell you that your prayer for a child has been answered. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you are to name him John. His birth will bring you much joy and gladness. Many will rejoice because of him. He will be, or he will be one of great, or he will be one of the great ones in the sight of God. He will drink no wine or strong drink, but he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even while still in his mother's womb. Just a little side note here uh, for all my Bible nerds. This is, uh, this is saying that he's going to be a Nazarite. He's going to take the Nazarite vow. There's only mentioned in scripture three men who were born into the Nazarite vow. And that's Samson, Samuel, and now John the Baptist. He will be a Nazarite. He'll be separated from his mother's womb. And he will persuade many in Israel to convert and turn back to the Lord their God. He will go before the Lord as a forerunner with the same power and anointing as Elijah the prophet. And he will be instrumental in turning hearts of the fathers in tenderness back to their children and the hearts of the disobedient back to the wisdom of their righteous fathers. And he will prepare a united people who are ready for the Lord's appearing. I wanted to say out of this verse a couple things. One, that even though God may have not been speaking, it is obvious he was listening. Even though God may not have been speaking for 400 years, he was obviously listening to his children still. And there may be times in your life where you feel like you're in a barren season where you're not hearing the voice of the Lord, but I want to declare to you that he is absolutely still 
listening. Don't ever feel like God has ever left you alone because the Bible says that he never leaves you. He never forsakes you. And it's shown here once again in Zechariah and Elizabeth that though God was silent, though he said nothing, though they felt nothing, he was absolutely listening to every cry, every desire of their hearts. So though God may seem silent, he is absolutely listening to everything you pour out to him. He is faithful to hear you in everything you say. I also want to say this, Zechariah and Elizabeth were old, yet their prayer had been answered. Let me ask this question. How long had they been praying? The Bible says that they were old. My guess is they started praying for a child when they were young, right? When they were, when they were just married, newlyweds, wanting kids. How long, how persistent did they have to be in prayer? How many times were they disappointed? They've been praying for years and years and years thinking this is going to be the year God is going to shine his grace on us. This is going to be the moment. I can feel it. And year after year after year, they're disappointed. How long had they been praying? How many times were they disappointed? But they were persistent even in the disappointment, even in the, the, uh, the longing Without any reward, they were persistent to continually go before the Lord, offer incense, continually go before the Lord, offer sacrifices, continually go before the Lord and worship and continually pray for the, her barren womb to be opened. That though they were disappointed, they were consistent, consistently pursuing him. So many of us are believing for so many things right now. I pray, we pray every Sunday that this pandemic would end. And here we are, what, nine months, 10 months, 10 years later, <laughs> it feels like. And it's, 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 there's, the numbers are higher than they've ever been. We've, we're believing, we've been praying for Elwood, for Elwood to see revival. We're still waiting to see that happen. Some of you have been praying for healing to happen in your bodies, and we've still not seen that happen yet. You've been praying for kids to come home, for prodigals to return, for kids who are, are lost in the world to come back to Christ, and it hasn't happened yet. Some of you are still fighting with depression. You've been fighting with it for years, praying every single day that the Lord would take it from you, and it hasn't happened yet. How long have you been praying? How many times have you been disappointed? But when we look in Scripture and we see Zechariah and Elizabeth being consistent in prayer without seeing the answers, then all of a sudden, in a moment, the answer comes. In a moment, the promise is fulfilled. What I want to declare to you this morning, what I want to encourage you is don't stop praying. Don't stop believing. Don't stop believing for healing. Don't stop praying for that prodigal to come home. Don't stop praying for revival because when we are consistently pursuing the Father in the secret place, there will be a moment where the suddenly happens. Amen. Be consistent. I want to say this too. 
they had to have patient endurance, right? They had to be patient. They had to wait. They had to be consistent. And look what was birthed out of that womb. John the Baptist. The, you know, Elizabeth is not the only woman in the Bible who was barren. That, there's, there's many stories in the Bible. Let me tell you just a few of them. Not the whole story. I'll just tell you the people. Save some time here. Abraham and Sarah. God promised them many nations from their womb. At 70 years old, mind you. Already well old, well up in, I mean, I'm sorry. 70 is the new, 70 is the new 20, right? Yeah. <laughs> Be careful. So, so if you think that's still young, you 70-year-olds, you're still able to have kids, right? Yeah, that's what I thought. All right. At 70 years old, they were given the promise, you'd be the father of many nations. You'd be the mother of many nations. 25 to 30 years later, he was 90 stinking nine years old when they had Isaac. Both of them didn't have any teeth and they both needed their diapers changed. <laughs> she was barren and birthed Isaac. Isaac and Rebekah, his wife, were barren. And he birthed Jacob, the fulfillment of the promise to Abraham, who birthed the 12 tribes, well, Jacob did it, his wife's did, birthed the 12 tribes of Israel, which went on to become the nation of Israel to fulfill the promise that was given to Abraham. Manoah and his wife, birthed Samson, the judge of Israel. Hannah and her husband, Hannah, the one who was barren, who's, who uh, back in those days, the men had many wives. I don't recommend that, by the way. They had many wives. One of, <laughs> one of Hannah's husband's other wives was extremely fruitful. She was having kids left and right. She would you know, birth one, pop out one, and then was pregnant for another one. Was constantly having kids. Was constantly rubbing it in Hannah's face because Hannah was barren. Hannah goes to the Lord before the priest and begins praying that God would open up her womb and promises God that if he were to give her one son, that he would, she would dedicate him to the Lord all the days of his life. And she birthed Samuel one of the greatest prophets to ever walk the face of the planet. So let's look at this list. Abraham and Sarah had Isaac. Isaac and Rebekah have Jacob. Manoah and his wife have Samson. Hannah and her husband have Samuel the prophet. And Zechariah and Elizabeth have John the Baptist. Listen, you may be in a barren season, but look what faithfulness Look what consistency, look what patient endurance produces. It produces John the Baptist, Samuel, the prophet, Samson. It produces, uh, produces uh, all of these great men and women. They didn't have tens of, or 10 and 11, 12 kids like some of these other women did. But what they did have 
was men who were anointed, who changed the planet. I, what I want to know is, 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 yes, you may be in a barren season, but what could be birthed if you were consistent in the place of prayer? If you were consistent in faith and believing God will fulfill his word, what could be coming from you? It may look barren, but, but trust me, hold out. Time shows us, history shows us that, if the long, that when you are patient, then greatness is birthed out of it. Be patient. Endure. Endure the promise. Endure the waiting period. Be faithful and consistent. And what will come out? will be great and extraordinary, will be different, can change, absolutely change the face of the planet. Let's be faithful to believe God for everything, everything that he said he would do. Amen? Let's look at verse 18. Zechariah asked the angel, how do you expect me to believe this? I am an old man and my wife is too old to give me a child. What sign can you give me to prove this will happen? Have you ever read the Bible and related so well to a person in the Bible because they're an idiot just like you are, right? You have Gabriel, the angel, standing in front of you, telling you this is going to happen. And you ask him to give you a sign. <laughs> Duh, right? <laughs> he couldn't just believe him at his word. He still needed a sign. And, and Gabriel says, all right, I'll give you a sign. I'll shut your big mouth until the promise is fulfilled. And that will be your sign, right? I, I got I gotta I gotta say Jeff Foxworthy here. Here right? It, yeah. Anyways. He was gonna I'm gonna shut your big mouth and that will be your sign. What more of a sign do you need, Zechariah? The angel of the Lord. The first time God has spoken in four hundred years is speaking to you, and you still want more proof. Listen, I relate to this. We have to learn to take God at his word. Let his yes be yes and his no be no. We don't need any more proof. He is faithful and he is true and he has never lied. So if he said it, we need to learn to take God at his word. Amen? Amen. Don't make gay mad, right? Don't make Gabriel mad. You want a sign? You, you just won't be able to open your big mouth until that baby is born. We have to learn to take God at his word before there is ever any evidence this is important. Before there's ever any evidence, we believe him because he is faithful, right? The king is here. All we need is to know that he is here. All we need to do is see him laying in that manger and we know that every promise is gonna be fulfilled because he is faithful. We have to learn to take God at his word and believe him. Too many times we don't see immediate results and we give up. Listen, I mentioned it before, Abraham and Sarah believed God for 25 to 30 years. He was 99 before he had the baby. Joseph in the Bible was given a dream that he would rule and then immediately was given into slavery. 
almost immediately after he has the dream, he is sold into slavery. He goes from slavery into prison. And then finally he goes from prison to the palace. God promised a savior in Genesis chapter three. We sinned, we fell short. He promised that the Messiah would come and set us free in Genesis chapter three. And it was thousands of years later before Jesus was born. If we, sometimes if we don't see immediate results, we don't think God is listening, but he absolutely is listening. I believe every promise that he makes will come to pass. I know it will come to pass, but it may not always happen when we think it's gonna happen. God doesn't think in terms of one generation. God thinks generationally. And it may not happen in your lifetime, but it will happen. Maybe in your son's lifetime, maybe in your grandkids' lifetime, who knows? But we have to take God at his word and never falter in our faith and believing he will accomplish everything that he said he would accomplish, amen? He will keep his word and we have to learn to rest in his word. If we wanna have rest, it's not gonna be because all of our dreams are gonna come true. If we are gonna have rest, it's because we believe his word and because he said it, then we can rest in that. I have written down here a couple things. We have to believe, we have to learn to rest in his word that this virus is gonna end and that people are gonna be healed and we're gonna be good. We have to rest in knowing that all of these things that we prayed for for healing earlier in the service, that it's gonna happen. And no, we haven't seen it happen yet. We have to rest in knowing that he is faithful to his word. I have written down here Elwood. Elwood is, is so on my heart all the time. Doug, I think Doug has the biggest heart for Elwood of anybody I know on the face of the planet. He sees, he sees the worst of the worst every single day there in that city. But I guarantee he believes God with all of his heart that that city is gonna be completely restored and he rests. We rest in the fact of knowing that if he said it, he's going to accomplish it. We have to learn to rest in his word. I'm gonna finish up here in Luke chapter one, verse 57. So the angel leaves, Zechariah comes out. He can't talk, he can't speak. A lot happens in between. Some of that we're gonna get to next week. But we'll get to chapter, chapter one, verse 57, where John the Baptist is born. Verse 57, when Elizabeth's pregnancy was in full term, she gave birth to a son. All her family, friends, and neighbors heard about it, and they too were overjoyed, for they realized that the Lord had showered such wonderful mercy upon her. When the baby was eight days old, according to their custom, all family and friends came together for their circumcision ceremony. Everyone was convinced that the parents would name the baby Zechariah after his father, or Zechariah after his father. But Elizabeth spoke up and said, no, he has to be named John. What, they exclaimed, no one in our family, in your family line has that name. So they gestured to the baby daddy to ask what to ask the child or to ask him what the child's name would be. After motioning for a writing tablet in amazement, in the amazement of all, he wrote his name is John. Instantly, Zechariah could speak again and his first words were praises. His first words 
were praises, or uh, yeah, his first words were praises to the Lord. His first words were praises to the Lord. Zechariah and Elizabeth believed God. They were consistent even when they were barren and God was silent. When the angel came, though there was initial resistance, right? So the angel came initially Zechariah wanted more proof, right? So there was maybe initial resistance. Let me, let me just say that as well. God is not afraid of the initial resistance. It does not disqualify you from the promise, okay? It does not disqualify you from the promise. Abraham had the same doubts at first. I'm well advanced in years. Sarah actually laughed at God and said, this is impossible, Yet you get over in Hebrews and it says that Abraham is the father of the faith. That it was counted to him as righteousness because he believed God. The initial resistance you may feel, the initial doubt does not disqualify you if you overcome that and believe God at his word. Amen? So you are not disqualified if you've had doubt. They became pregnant and they birthed John the Baptist, the one who was prophesied to turn the hearts of the children back to their fathers and fathers back to sons. The one who would be the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make way for the king. The one who would be the first to see Jesus and declare, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That though they were barren, they believed God. And they gave birth to John the Baptist, who was the greatest of all the prophets before them. I'll finish up with this. What I want to get to you this morning is this, that even in the barren season, even when you're not hearing from God, know one, that he is absolutely listening. That though he may feel distant, he is not distant. He knows exactly what's going on. He knows the desires of your heart. He knows which, which, every emotion that you feel. He knows it all. So even in the barren season, he, he is there. He is listening. But my charge to you is this. Remain faithful in the barrenness. I, want, I just want to encourage you. Remain faithful in the silent seasons and in the barren seasons, because if you can have patient endurance, if you can be consistent to worship God every day, to sacrifice every day, to honor him every day, to pray and seek his face every day, that that barren season will turn into fruitfulness and you will burn, birth something that the world has never seen, that will change the face of the planet. Go ahead and stand with me this morning. Father, I thank you that you are faithful to complete every word that you have spoken. God, that your word does not return void, but it accomplishes what it sets out to do. God, I, I know that in this room alone, there are many, many promises that these, that, are, that these people are carrying in their hearts, that I'm carrying in my heart, that even as a church promises that we are carrying uh, as a church family. There's many, many words spoken over all of us. God, and I believe that every single one of them will come to pass. 
Not one of them will fall by the wayside. Not one of them will be forgotten. And God, I just pray right now, Lord, that even even for those who may feel that they're in the barren season right now, that they've been crying out for years and years, that they've been believing for something for, for years and years, and I've yet to see it come to pass. God, I pray that this morning that there would be a fresh uh, dose of faith given to them. God, that there would just be a rejuvenation uh, in their spirit to believe you for everything that you have promised. God, that there would be a fresh determination to seek your face every single day of their lives, to remain faithful to the secret place, to remain faithful to believing you at your word. God, I, I pray that if there is any heaviness on people in the room today, God, that there would just be a, a lifting off of that heaviness, Lord. God, I'm mindful especially of those who are believing for prodigals to come home, believing for sons and daughters to, to come back to, know, to the knowledge of Christ, to, to the knowledge of knowing you, come back to, uh, to the light, that they would leave the darkness to come back to light. God, I, I'm mindful of them. God, I pray that this morning, God, that there'd be a fresh faith put in their hearts. God, that they would even begin to see visions of their loved one coming back home. God, that they, they wouldn't just be able to believe it, but they would be able to close their eyes and see it manifesting right in front of them. God, and that there'd be a fresh baptism of faith this morning to believing for that miracle to happen. God, that there'd be fresh endurance, that there'd be new energy given to them, that they may endure the trial, may endure the waiting period. God, and we, and we just declare over those prodigals that the day is coming, that they will step foot back on the land of their father and their father will be there to embrace them once again. God, help us, Jesus, to be faithful in the barren seasons. Thank you, Jesus. God, we honor you. We declare you are faithful to accomplish everything you said you would. And we stand here as your sons and daughters today, as, as, even as a childlike faith, Father, believing everything that our dad says. God, we believe you are going to accomplish everything you said you're going to accomplish. We believe it now in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.